Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of trace metals found under the biochemistry section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a general overview. Remember that trace metals are micronutrients required in the diet for necessary cellular functions. Major examples include iron, copper, zinc, chromium, fluoride, iodide, and selenium. Others include molybdenum, manganese, cobalt, and nickel. They function as part of a metalloenzyme. This is an enzyme that has no activity without the metal. Remember that metal is fixed, and the metal-to-protein ratio is constant. An example is carbonic anhydrase. They also function as part of a metal-containing enzyme. This is an enzyme that may have activity without the metal. Here, the metal is reversibly bound. The metal-to-protein ratio is variable. An example of this is glycogen phosphorylase kinase. Now let's discuss oxidative stress. This refers to organometallic side reactions that damage tissue. Remember that many metals undergo the Fenton reaction in vivo. This is oxidation of metal and donation of an electron to oxygen. Most common metals that undergo reactions are iron and copper. This will also result in the creation of a hydroxyl radical. Remember that heme iron can generate superoxide radicals. Oxidative stress reactions happen frequently, but the body can defend itself with antioxidants. Remember that oxidative stress occurs when pro-oxidants are more than antioxidants. Examples of oxidative stress damage include stroke, Parkinson's, and Alzheimer. Now let's discuss iron in more detail. Sources of iron include the diet and that they are recycled from destroyed erythrocytes. Different forms include ferrous iron, which is Fe2+. This is dangerous, causes oxidative stress, and is found in hemoglobin. The other form is ferric iron, or Fe3+. This is less dangerous, and remember that methemoglobinemia occurs when Fe3 plus is found in hemoglobin. Absorption occurs through iron-containing compounds that are solubilized in the low stomach pH. Fe3 plus is reduced to Fe2 plus, which requires vitamin C. This occurs in the intestine, so it can cross the gut lumen. Ferroportin brings Fe3 plus into the bloodstream from enterocytes. This mediates the amount of iron released into the blood and remember that hepcidin inhibits ferroportin. This is antibacterial because it lowers the availability of iron in the plasma. In terms of its storage, it must be immediately used or stored in order to prevent bacterial utilization. Remember that iron is required for growth of bacteria. Immediate usage and storage also prevents formation of iron oxides and formation of free radicals, which occurs when iron and oxygen combine. The different sites of storage include the hepatocytes, which are the main site of storage, as well as the enterocytes and macrophages. It is stored as ferritin, which is iron in the Fe3 plus state. Remember that hemosiderin binds excess Fe3 plus to prevent it from entering the blood. Now let's discuss its transport. Iron is carried as Fe3 plus by transferrin in the blood. Transferrin chelates the Fe3 plus and transports it in the blood to tissues. It maintains its solubility and keeps it unreactive. There are transferrin receptors on cells which endocytose transferrin and iron complexes. The Fe3 plus is released into the cell which is triggered by a low pH, and then transferrin returns to the cell surface to be used again. Ferrooxidase, which is also known as ceruloplasmin, 
oxidizes Fe2 plus to Fe3 plus for transport and storage. Remember that ferritin can also oxidize iron for storage. Now let's discuss excretion. There is no cellular mechanism for iron excretion. It is loss from blood loss and removal of skin cells and other epithelial cells. In terms of iron's toxicity, this occurs when it goes beyond the sequestration capacity of ferritin, and it may cause oxidative stress. Disorders in iron handling include hereditary hemochromatosis. Now let's discuss copper. Its role is in human metabolism. Like other metals, free copper is potentially toxic by donating electrons. This creates hydroxyl radicals and other reactive oxygen species. Remember that copper is a cofactor for many metalloproteins. Examples include lysyl oxidase, which is involved in collagen synthesis, and tyrosinase, which is involved in melanin synthesis. In terms of its transport, albumin and ceruloplasmin carry copper in the blood. They perform a similar role to transferrin in iron transport. Metallothionine is a carrier of copper, zinc, and many other metals. Its role is in preventing oxidative stress in the cell, and thiol groups from many cysteine residues mediate binding. In terms of its excretion, excess copper is removed in the bile. This is unlike iron, which has no mechanism of excretion. Deficiency of copper can cause excess zinc. Remember that metallothionine carries both copper and zinc, so copper is displaced when zinc concentrations rise. Symptoms will depend on the function of whichever enzymes require copper. For example, ferrooxidase catalyzes the oxidation of iron from Fe2 to Fe3. It requires copper to function, so a deficiency of copper results in microcytic anemia. Lysyl oxidase crosslinks collagen fibers. This results in poor wound healing and aortic dissection. Now let's discuss disorders in copper handling. These would include things like Wilson's disease and Menke's disease. Menke's disease is an X-linked gene mutation in ATP7A, which is an ATP-dependent copper efflux protein. This is also known as Ehlers-Danlos syndrome type 9. It results in an inability of enterocytes to release absorbed copper. This may result in copper at toxic levels in the small intestine and the kidneys, and the copper in circulation and in the brain will be at low levels. Symptoms include that it presents like a copper deficiency. Patients may experience seizures, failure to thrive, and neurodegeneration. There will be steel-colored and brittle hair. This is due to the role of copper in the metalloprotein lysyl oxidase, which crosslinks collagen for added strength. Remember that at low serum concentrations of copper, this enzyme cannot function. Now let's discuss zinc. Remember that hundreds of enzymes require zinc. Important examples include carbonic anhydrase, angiotensin 1 converting enzyme, and RNA and DNA polymerases. In terms of its transport, metallothionine carries zinc, and this competes with copper. A deficiency in zinc can result from a poor diet and alcoholism as the liver is unable to handle zinc properly. Symptoms may include impaired collagenase, which results in delayed wound healing, impaired zinc finger transcription factor motifs, which may result in hypogonadism, and a decrease in adult hair, such as hair in the axilla, facial hair, and pubic hair. There will also be a decrease in senses, such as dyscusia, which is a lack of taste, and anosmia, which is a lack of smell. Some patients may also experience diarrhea and hair loss or alopecia.
Now let's discuss chromium. A deficiency may be caused by total parenteral nutrition. Symptoms will depend on the function of whichever proteins or enzymes require chromium. It is hypothesized to play a role as part of a glucose tolerance factor. This results in a decrease in glucose tolerance if there is a chromium deficiency. Now let's discuss fluoride. Its source is mainly fluoridated water. Remember that it plays a role in bone and teeth formation and strength, so a deficiency may result in an increase in bone fractures and dental caries. Now let's discuss iodine. Its source is mainly iodized salt. Remember that it plays a role in synthesis of thyroid hormone, so a deficiency may result in goiters and a decrease in thyroid hormone output. Finally, let's discuss selenium. A deficiency may be caused by total parenteral nutrition. Remember that it plays a role in glutathione peroxidase, which protects against oxidative stress. And this is necessary when there is damage to tissues with high metabolic activity. So a deficiency may result in muscle pain and cardiomyopathy. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to trace metals, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A six-month-old baby boy is brought to the emergency room for sudden onset jerking. The mom reports that he was breastfeeding when he began to twitch and jerk for about two minutes. He was unresponsive during this time. The mom denies tongue biting, trauma, fever, fussiness, changes in feeding patterns, or decreases in urinary output. The patient had an uncomplicated vaginal birth and is up to date on his vaccinations. The patient's growth chart indicates growth retardation since one month old. A physical exam demonstrates a lethargic boy, as well as hair that is hypopigmented, brittle, and has many kinks. What is the most likely explanation for this patient's symptoms? And the answer choices are... Choice 1. Mutation of ATP7A gene. Choice 2. Mutation of ATP7B gene. Choice 3. Mutation of GNAQ gene. Choice 4. Mutation of HFE gene. Or choice 5. Mutation of TSC1 and TSC2 genes. The best answer to this question is choice 1. Mutation of ATP7A gene. This patient has manky disease, as demonstrated by characteristic hypopigmented and kinky hair, growth retardation, and seizures. Manky disease is caused by a mutation in the ATP7A gene, which encodes the transport protein that allows for copper uptake from the intestine. Manky disease, also known as Manky's kinky hair syndrome, is a congenital X-linked genetic disorder. The mutation leads to defects of the copper transport protein at the intestine and thus leads to significant copper deficiency. Patients often present during early infancy with progressive neurologic deterioration, developmental delay, and epilepsy. Significant physical findings include characteristic kinky hair, growth retardation, hypopigmentation of the skin, and bony abnormalities. A significant portion of patients die during early childhood, as the standard treatment of copper histidine complex is not consistently effective. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 2. Mutation of ATP7B gene is the pathogenesis of Wilson disease, 
a disease characterized by copper overload. Mutation of the hepatocyte copper transporting ATPase leads to decreased copper excretion and copper accumulation in the liver, brain, cornea, and kidneys. Choice 3. Mutation of GNAQ gene describes Sturgey-Weber syndrome, which presents with seizures, epilepsy, and intellectual disability. Patients often have a nevus flamus, which is a port wine stain on the face. Choice 4. Mutation of HFE gene describes hemochromatosis, a disease of iron overload. Patients usually present after age 40 with cirrhosis, diabetes mellitus, skin pigmentation, and cardiomyopathy. Choice 5. Mutation of the TSC1 and TSC2 genes describes tuberous sclerosis, a disease characterized by hamartomas, angiofibromas, ash leaf spots, seizures, chagrin patches, and mental retardation. Finally, a bullet summary. Mankey disease, which is due to the mutation of the ATP7A gene, is characterized by seizures, kinky hair, and growth or developmental delays. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 37-year-old man is brought to the emergency department because he was found down on a city sidewalk. Upon presentation, he is found to be disheveled with multiple poorly healed wounds on his hands and feet. He has had dozens of previous presentations for alcohol intoxication and is currently known to be homeless. Physical exam reveals multiple minor wounds, alopecia, and decreased axillary hair. Upon being aroused, the patient reveals that he has had difficulty with taste and smell and has also had severe diarrhea over the last week. The deficient substance most likely responsible for this patient's symptoms is associated with which of the following proteins? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Hemoglobin Choice 2. Glutathione peroxidase Choice 3. RNA polymerase Choice 4. Thyroid hormone or Choice 5. Tyrosinase The best answer to this question is Choice 3. RNA polymerase. This homeless alcoholic patient with decreased body hair, anosmia, a decrease in sense of taste, and diarrhea most likely has a zinc deficiency. Zinc is required as a cofactor for RNA polymerase. Trace minerals are involved in enabling the activity of many critical enzymes within the cell. Specifically, zinc is required for hundreds of enzymes, including the important examples of carbonic anhydrase angiotensin-converting enzyme, and polymerases. Zinc can be deficient in patients with alcoholism because these patients can have changes in their liver that causes them to be unable to properly metabolize zinc-containing products. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Hemoglobin requires iron as a critical cofactor. Deficiency in iron presents with a microcytic anemia. Choice 2. Glutathione peroxidase requires selenium as a critical cofactor. Deficiency in selenium presents with muscle pain and cardiomyopathy. Choice 4. Thyroid hormone requires iodine as a critical component. Deficiency in iodine can cause hypothyroidism as well as a goiter. Choice 5. Tyrosinase requires copper as a critical cofactor. Copper deficiency can present with poor wound healing that is associated with anemia. Finally, a bullet summary. Zinc deficiency can present with loss of body hair, poor wound healing, anosmia, dysgeusia, 
and diarrhea in alcoholic patients. That's all for this review about trace metals. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.